Let's pray for ourselves as well. Holy Spirit, we quiet our hearts before you and come, come and come and speak to us today. Uh, open our hearts to you. We pray that any distraction may be taken away, that God, we may hear you today. Uh, we may hear what is needed for our lives. We pray that uh, you will have your way in us. And Father, we thank you for the word that has been uh, given to Brother Vincent. And this morning, I pray that you help him to deliver it with your authority and your power. Thank you, God, for being here with us. And we open our ears to you and our hearts to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. The past two weeks, we have gone through uh, who the Holy Spirit is. That's the first week. And then uh, last week, Edwin, Elder Edwin did with us uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. So today, we want to talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In essence, uh, what is the outcome of the life lived under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Or more importantly for us, what is the pathway to maturity? The passage we want to focus on today is Galatians 5. I have extracted uh, relevant excerpts from there on the screen for the next four slides. I, I, I suggest we read it together so that we all get context. Is that okay? So let's, let's read it together. One, two, three. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. 
So thank you for going through this. Now I just wanted to give you some context to what's, wh why is Paul making such an impassioned plea to these Christians in Galatia, the Galatians, not to go back, not to regress, not to go back to old ways. And in Galatians 3.3, we believe that's, that's, that's the reason why. This gives you the, the clue. And um, let me just read it to you. He writes to them that having begun your new life by faith with the Spirit, are you now being perfected and reaching spiritual maturity by the flesh? Okay? This, is, this is from the Amplified Version. That's why there are brackets and all that. But um, it just, uh, the gist of it, why Paul is making this uh, plea to the Galatians is because he sees them uh, going backwards instead of forwards. And that's why he's asking, if you have begun with, a, with faith in a relationship with God, if you have begun this journey with a who, why are you now journeying alone? Why are you going solo? Why are you placing faith in yourself or your abilities or your work, which is, which is in a part represented by uh, circumcision? So that, that's, the, that's the context behind it, that there's this, there's this going solo uh, on the journey toward maturity that Paul was warning them against. Now, I, I, I work in a bank, and uh, I, I had a corporate client once, and I dealt with the, the CEO. And over time, he hired a consultant, a special advisor, to help him with uh, strategic business matters. So this, this was an advisor uh, to him, uh, to the CEO. And over time, this CEO and his consultant were inseparable. I mean, they were good friends. They became a formidable pair. They were beating up bankers like us, uh, getting really good terms for every fundraising exercise of the company. And over time, as I interacted with them, we had some chemistry. The three of us became good friends. So the CEO, his advisor, and me, we became good friends. And, and this advisor was a, was a really intelligent person, to be honest. But over time, we did see that with each success, uh, he was getting quite uh, big-headed. Right, and, and a bit irritating. Uh, but we remain friends, right? We are all irritating in our own ways, and uh, we remain friends. And this went on for five to six years that he seemed to be kind of um, big-headed and, and pushy. And then one day I heard that the consultant, this advisor, had been terminated. And uh, so I had, I had lunch with my, my CEO friend, Klein, and... Um, I found out that it was because uh, they offered him a, a permanent senior role. So they said, you've been with us for such a long time. Why don't we just formalize this and uh, we give you a really senior role, deputy something. And, uh, but but this, this consultant, um, he felt that the only job he deserved was uh, a CEO and above. Uh, so they terminated him. And my CEO friend ruefully said, I think he got way too... I think he got way too carried away. And he forgot that he attained such heights thanks to his affiliation uh, with the company. A humbler person once said, 
if I have seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. So here's Paul reminding the Galatian Christians, remember how you started, remember who you started with, remember whose giant shoulders lifted you up. Why are you going solo now? And I don't know, for, for those of us who are familiar with uh, the Bible, you will remember Jesus' indignation, His anger at religious leaders who complained when He healed people on the Sabbath. And He had a habit of doing that. He, he healed many people on the Sabbath, and, and, and they were always complaining that um, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't do this on the Sabbath, you can do it on, on another day, but not the Sabbath. And, and he's so upset, I think, um, Jesus. He's so upset, I think, because he feels that they've, they've missed it. Theirs have become a religion of how and what. Um, a religion of semantics, maybe SOPs, standard operating procedures. They have, they've lost uh, the, the, the focus on the who. Because if it was about the who, which is God, they would have known God's heart and they wouldn't have done what they did. The path to maturity for a Christian is a person. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. A mentor. I, I think uh, two weeks ago, Joanne shared with you um, paraclete or, or parakletos. Uh, one who comes alongside and we, we must, as Christians, remember the enemy always seeks to isolate us away from, uh, from God, from the Holy Spirit. I mean, even from the earliest days in, in Genesis uh, 3, the whole idea was for man to hide from God because when we are disconnected, um, we are powerless. So the first, the first thing I thought um, I wanted to share with you is Please don't go solo on this journey with God. Don't, don't forget it is a relationship. I think it is a cliche almost that we are not a religion. We are, uh, this is Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. But I think it's important for us to bear in mind that uh, if we do not tend to this relationship, there is a tendency for it, for it to become how and what rather than about who we are journeying with. So don't go solo. I believe I've sh I may have shared this with you before, but it bears repeating. Um, it, if we do not tend to the relationship, it can become a performance. It can become something that we keep up with. And we know that that is um, always difficult if we have to perform for acceptance, if we have to perform uh, to gain favour. A relationship is different. But even if we get into a relationship, let's understand and remind ourselves of the truth. We have been adopted into God's family as His children, not as slaves. There are, um, so even if we are in relationship, it's important to remember what kind of relationship this is. This is, this is, a, this is a relationship that is full of the grace and the riches of God through Jesus Christ. I've, I've worked for some time and I've had a few bosses and every time bosses change, uh, it is a period of stress, understandably, right? 
uh, or when teachers change or when professors change or, or when, when authority figures change, it is always uh, a, a time of stress. And as I look back, I found that I have generally flourished, or I wouldn't say flourished, but I generally have done better as I gain the trust and the acceptance of the senior or the authority figure um, in the context of a relationship. You, you just don't make as many silly mistakes, or, or not you, me, or I just don't make as many silly mistakes as I do uh, when I'm uh, anxious, when I'm unsure whether do we have a relationship or is this all about performance? And I think some of us, possibly most of us can relate to this, that in the context of a relationship, uh, the ability to flourish, the ability to, to do, um, to um, excel is, is so much uh, uh, higher, that, 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 that probability to do that. Uh, in the context of relationships. So don't get me wrong, I'm not saying performance is not important. I think it's important to do. But I want to remind you that in the Christian life, the sequence is know uh, the person first, then do. Not do something to gain the acceptance of the person. That's what Jesus has done uh, for us in the context of this relationship we have now with him. I was chatting with uh, the, the principal of a school um, last week in church here to protect his identity. I'll just call him Mr. Tan. And uh, he was relating to me a most uplifting story of how a couple of years ago he inherited a school. It was a merger of two schools. Uh, who, well, these students, they suffered from a combination of low self-esteem uh, family issues, gangsterism. I mean, they were all uh, uh, reinforcing each other, these three things, low self-esteem, family issues, gangsterism. And he was relating to me how he and his team of teachers turned some of the lives. The, 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 the drift I get is that he, he managed to turn most of their lives, uh, but I'll just be conservative here and say he turned some of the lives of the students around. He restored their esteem, and he inspired hope, he and his team. And he said that when he started, uh, we were in the church office talking, and he said the students talked to him in a very confrontational way, confrontational way. So they were like, so, what do you want, that kind of thing. I mean, I can't, I can't do this, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the big teenager. Uh, but now, uh, they relate respectfully uh, to the extent recently when they had an they recently had an incident of wrongdoing by a student, and when they sat down with a student, teacher, him, I suppose, and the student, and they were sort of uh, lamenting, why do you do this? Have we not done enough with you to, to, to help you go through this? Uh, the student actually told them, no, 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 you have done enough, right? It is I that need to fix this. So that, that maturity and that respect was uh, really something to behold. And when I asked him, so what was the secret sauce? I mean, how did you do this? Right? Because uh, those of us who have children, we know that teenagers are not um, uh, the easiest. And he said he told his teachers at the very beginning, when they merged the schools, he told them, 
Uh, obviously, there were some who wanted to, to leave or take a chance to be redeployed. Those, those, happen, those things happen. But he told those who stayed that uh, the, the vision is this, and the important thing how we're going to do this is we are going to relate to the students with respect. All right? We are going to parent them. And he even promised his teachers that if you stick with me in this school, you will become also a good parent. All right? I'm paraphrasing all this as he's a lot more articulate, elegant in putting all this across. But I think you, you get um, the, the gist of it, how he, um, he and his team of teachers did this. And I thought it was a beautiful story of uh, one who comes alongside. A helper, a comforter, a counsellor. And you know, you know, these relationships, if they, if they are effective, uh, they, they do set, in this case, the teenager or the teenagers free, right? Because as you get that, as you get that sense of acceptance and, and relationship, it sets that teenager free from the bondage of low self-esteem, hopelessness, dejectedness, because there is the safety net of the relationship. And I thought that is a reflection of the freedom we obtain through uh, that relationship with Jesus Christ. The freedom mentioned in 2 Corinthians 3, 14 to 18, which I'll just read to you here. It's a bit long, but it talks about, For to this day, when the Israelites, when they read the Old Covenant, there is a veil. A veil remains... Sorry. This is uh, half time already. When <laughs> I I just want to repeat what Edwin did last week. <laughs> so, when they read the Old Covenant, uh, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil <laughs> over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And then it says, and I think many of us love this verse, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is there's freedom, there's liberty. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit is in relationship with us, there is that freedom. There is a freeing of ourselves to our full potential under His mentorship, under His tutelage. For freedom, Christ has set us free. That's why we read just now. That's why Paul says, Stand firm, therefore, don't go back. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now, what is this freedom? Some of us may still not get it. Some of us may still say, what, what freedom from what? And I thought this, this would probably help us. Um, the various aspects of the Holy Spirit, um, Joanne may have touched on them some, uh, two weeks back. But He's the Spirit of illumination, what we just read. He, he frees us, it's freedom from blindness, it's freedom from darkness, we are able to see uh, the truth. He is the Spirit of regeneration and sanctification, That's, that, those are big, long words. But it, is, it sets us free from sin. He, in, in Christ, we are a new creation. This is the Holy Spirit's work 
of regenerating us and then transforming us from glory to glory. That, that is uh, the spirit, freedom from sin. He's the spirit of comfort, the freedom from fear. Right? The spirit of adoption, it is the freedom of relationship, which we talked about just now. The Holy Spirit, the spirit that brings us into God's family, the freedom to relate, bridge the gap. Jesus bridged the gap between us and God. And then He's the spirit of prayer and supplication, the freedom of access. Right? In the Bible we read, so we come before God now with boldness because of the Holy Spirit's work. Right? We are free from that fear, that cowering, that bondage. And that is what the, the, the Spirit um, is not exhaustive, but this is, this is to encourage you, friends, brothers and sisters, don't go solo. When you go solo, we cannot do it. This, this is what the Spirit does for us. He is keen, like Mr. Tan and his team, to come alongside us, no matter how low we are, and say, through this relationship, let me mentor you, let me tutor you, let me free you from darkness, sin, fear, relationship, uh, bring you into a relationship and bring you into access with the Father. So I really want to encourage you, don't go solo. So that's the first thing, don't go solo. Second, um, as we are freed, right? As we are freed by the Lord and we are, we are brought into His family, um, resources come to us, right? Just, just like this. As we're in relationship with, with, with Christ, uh, the Spirit uh, brings us resources. And that's why Paul says, you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So there is this freedom that Christ has won for us. It is a restorative fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It frees us from bondage, hang-ups, and brings us into rich grace, the rich grace of God. And it then primes us for action, right? You are brought into a nice place. You have resources. It's like, it's like a crippled person who is now freed from his handicap, and he's, he can walk now, right? He's free from that thing that holds him back. It brings us to a point of potential. But Paul says, careful how you use those resources, right? Direct resources wisely. As Jesus frees you and blesses you with resources, um, with the riches He has bestowed on us, uh, we, we come to a crossroads with this freedom. Do we want to choose to sow the seeds of life uh, to unlock that potential? Or we want to sow seeds of destruction. Um, let me just, just illustrate. Um, it's like my friend's son. He's a university-going age, and he was sent overseas. Now, because my, my friend is a man of means, or some means, and given the son is, is, is his son, right? There's a relationship. Uh, he was sent overseas to university for four years. And of course, they gave him the debit card and all that sort of thing. And because my friend is not a tiger dad, right? He's not a, the kind of dad that WhatsApp them 24 hours and always check where they are. And he respects his son as a young adult. Uh, his son has come into some resources in a foreign country away from the father. Uh, and he is in that sense enjoying that freedom. I mean, thanks, thanks to 
or the relationship with the father. Uh, but we all know that with that freedom comes a responsibility for the next four years to choose, right? If he hangs out with scoundrels and he conforms, then the freedom that his father afforded him may be wasted. Right? And we have had, maybe uh, I have had, had in life seen one who, who went overseas and came back without anything precisely because that happened and it's really uh, such a waste. But if he instead, as the scripture says, through love, serve one another, it says don't spend this freedom as an opportunity for sin, for, for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. If he, during those four years, does this, through love, serve another, we know another sort of fruit uh, will result. You see, the freedom the Holy Spirit brings makes our heart like fresh, cultivatable soil. There's potential for growth. And um, I've, I've, I've found, I've, I have uh, flower pots in my home. And um, every time we plant something, it, it all dies. And, uh, and then there's a time where we just uh, leave it. We just leave it. We just leave the soil and then we don't tend to it. We leave it. And then sometimes we go on holidays like now. And when we return, uh, voila, there will always be plants. We did not plant them, but they're plants. I think we call those plants weeds. <laughs> right? So it's the same, right? For the soil of our heart, if you don't tend it, it just doesn't remain like this. There is every probability it will indulge in the desires of the flesh. Because unfortunately, on this side of heaven, we have this sinful nature with us, right? Holy Spirit is transforming, sanctifying us, but until we get to the other side, uh, it, there will be a tussle. And that flesh the sinful desires will always tussle and vie for attention and it will aim to exploit the freedom that we have that Jesus has won for us on the cross. It tells us that the desires of the flesh, what we just read earlier, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other. So they are really opposites. And it keeps you from doing the things you intend to do, the things you want to do. And what does its results look like? If we, if we don't tend it, if we leave it, what does it look like? The Bible tells us as well. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. It's not secret. It's evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So that's, that's in that untended stage. So while we come into relationship with Jesus and receive the riches of His grace and we cruise, we, we do not um, deploy uh, or direct our resources that we have in Jesus wisely, uh, there is every danger that the weeds will come and we will be able to tell, you will be able to tell when these things manifest themselves.
But the good part of it is, of course, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So that, that is that, what I described just now, the, 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 the forked road. As we come into that relationship with the Holy Spirit, there's that fork. And one is uh, sowing, unto the seeds, sowing the seeds of destruction. And one is tending to our heart, directing our resources wisely, and then reaping the fruit that we just read about. Now you're probably asking me how. Like any relationship, a lack of attention leads to other things crowding in and taking priority. So how do we, how do we tend the garden of our heart? What are some practical steps to sow unto life? I have said just now, don't go solo. Then I said, direct resources wisely. The other thing we need to do is we need to discern our fruit. When we examine our lives, what is showing up? Discern our fruit. Is it, is it the, the, a lot of the works of the flesh are surfacing? Or is it love, joy, peace, patience that is surfacing? So discern our fruit. The last D is how do we tend it? It's to develop your relationship. It says, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And when I looked at it, I said, how do you, how do you through love serve one another? I recall Jesus saying, freely you have received, freely give. And I think this is only possible. We can only do this in the context of a nourishing relationship with God where you receive from the Holy Spirit and then you freely give. That's why, that's why this is the about developing a relationship. If there isn't that, that receiving, it is very hard to love and serve one another. That's the first one. Love and serve one another, that's one way to tend our garden making sure that we are deploying our resources, directing our resources into the lives of others. But before we do that, the Bible tells us, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then it says, if you live by the Spirit, which is true, we are alive today by the Spirit, it says, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Right? And that, that gives me that the impression of a relationship of walking together, cultivating that mentoring relationship with the Holy Spirit. So that's 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 the four things I wanted to leave with you today. I can ask the musicians to come up. Okay, right? Time. Okay. So first is don't go solo. Right? We started with the Holy Spirit. We stood on the shoulders of a giant, move on 
with that giant, with the Holy Spirit. Don't go solo. And as we move on with Him, let's be very mindful on this side of the earth, we need to direct resources wisely. The things He puts into our life, how are we sowing? How are we deploying the goodness that God has poured into our lives? Is it unto life? We're sowing seeds unto life? Or are we sowing seeds unto destruction? And ever so regularly discern your fruit in your own life. What does that look like? And the most important one I feel, which has been uh, throughout the sermon, it's the last D, develop that relationship. It is, it, is, it is not rocket science. I don't think this is new to a lot of us. But it is so easy to lose sight of uh, that relationship and to run on empty. So as uh, the musicians um, lead you in the closing song, if we can rise, I just uh, want you to take a few minutes uh, before he, he, he leads us to think through. And I want to issue an uh, uh, invitation for those of us who felt that, yeah, I've been, I've been going solo. Actually, I, I lost track of uh, uh, journeying, uh, mentoring by the Holy Spirit, journeying with the Holy Spirit. And if you feel that that's something that uh, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, I want to invite you to come. Uh, there are leaders here today, not as many as usual, but there are leaders. And we want to pray for you as we uh, worship the Lord. Come forward, we want to pray with you. It doesn't just have to be if you don't want to go solo, uh, if, if, if it's because you're going solo, it could be also you feel that you are cultivating, you are going down a route that is not fruitful, that is not productive. You're not happy with the fruit in your life. There is a lot of that anger, that jealousy, that striving, um, etc. If that's you, I want to invite you to come. Let God's uh, Spirit minister to you through His people as we worship. Okay, so the altar is open. Please come forward as we uh, sing uh, this song. And uh, this is the Lord's house. Feel free. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. 